My wife has this perfume that she loves. They don't make it anymore. Ted Baker used to make this thing called Polly. It's from London. Um, and there is a Ted Baker over at Millennium Mall, but they just don't have it anymore. But when she puts it on, I can smell it and I recognize that smell from anywhere. They say that when they made the ketoret, which is the, the incense that was offered in the temple in Jerusalem, it was so powerful that you could smell it all the way from Jerusalem to Jericho and back. There's this story uh, that, that an archaeologist tells us when he was working on the, what they believe might have been the Ketoret that was made there at the Qumran community at the Dead Sea. And, and this was, it was discovered in 1948, but they started doing analysis on it in 2007. And when they broke it open, the, the smell permeated the whole lab. It permeated their clothes. And, and even when this archaeologist went home to his family for the next seven days, his house smelled of that. Here we see a picture of worship. Jesus is at Bethany with his friends. It says it's the sixth day before the Passover. That would put it on Saturday before Good Friday. Jesus has raised Lazarus from the dead. He is now uh, going to have a meal with his friends. And just before this, we read of how the Pharisees are being confronted by Jesus and they're plotting to kill him. This story ends and then it comes back to the Pharisees plotting not only to kill Jesus, but now to kill Lazarus, who is a witness to the resurrection power of Jesus. But I want to focus on this worship that Mary of Bethany offers, this worship that she offers. This worship was valuable. It was costly. It cost her a bit. You see, Jesus is, is reclining at meal. And the way you would do it in the ancient Near East, in first century Israel, is you would recline with your left elbow uh, and you would lay on, on, on the floor. You wouldn't sit on a chair at a table, but rather you would lean with your left elbow under your body and you would reach in with your right hand to grab food uh, off the center and your feet would be to the outside and you would be barefoot. The reason why you were barefoot was, was pretty obvious to people back then, but we wouldn't know why. Uh, you see, Rome had great sewer systems. They had great plumbing. You could even go to Bath, Bath, as they would say in England, and you could see some stellar British, uh, not British plumbing, Roman plumbing that, was, that is still in operation. The Romans knew how to do plumbing. The ancient Near East, not so much. So if you walked in the street, you would be wearing sandals and there was dust. But there was also donkeys and chickens and horses. And if you've ever been, if you were here last week when it was Panama versus U.S. in soccer downtown, you might have seen some of the leftovers from the mounted police. Well, that is precisely what you would have found on your sandals. So Jesus comes to visit his friends. He takes his sandals off and he reclines at table. Mary of Bethany comes in unobtrusively and she just pours this nard, this, this pound, if you will, this Roman pound, which is ab ab about uh, 335 milliliters of this super uh, expensive ointment on Jesus' feet. And then it says she, she lets her hair down and she washes his feet. It was costly, I said. Why was it costly? It says it was about 300 denarii. Do you know how much that is nowadays? Well, denarii doesn't mean much to us, but a denarii was a silver coin. 
And, and a silver coin uh, in those days, one denarii, was the average of one day's wage. And if you, if you subtract the number of Sabbaths that there are in the year, 52 of those, this would have been a whole year's wage. So picture this. What is your salary? You don't have to answer that because we're in church and, you know, we don't talk politics. We don't talk money because that will make people feel uncomfortable, right? But what do you earn? Now imagine you take that and you pour that. You waste that at Jesus' feet. I mean, I remember my, my dad loves royal lime. It's this uh, cologne. And, and, and so one day my aunt gave him that as a, as a present, and I broke into his bathroom, and I decided I'd try it, except for I broke the glass, and I wasted it all. You see, what I did with perfume was waste. What Mary did was worship. It was costly. It was a year's salary poured at Jesus' feet. The second thing that it was is that it was total. It says that she put down her hair. Um, if, you, if you're unaware with how um, Orthodox Jewish women do to this day, and it's following that same ancient Near Eastern custom, is that, that a woman's hair is her glory. St. Paul tells us that. That's why you'll see some Orthodox women who will wait until their wedding day, and they will let down their hair in front of their husband, and their husband will be the only man that will ever see her hair. And that night, she will then, or that next day, she will shave her head and she will wear a wig the rest of her life. For only her husband has seen her hair. So this is actually what's happening in modern day equivalent. She has walked into church and she's lifted up her skirt. Do you see why the people are taken aback by this total worship? This amazing worship of Mary at Bethany. It's total I love that. It's, about, it's a bit as Isaac Watts tells us, and not the hymn that we just sang, but a different one, where he says, when I survey the wondrous cross, he says, this, when I look at the cross, when I look at who Jesus is, it demands my life, my all, my all. That is what this woman is giving Jesus. And I love it because it's a bit, it's a bit like an amazing service, an amazing church service. Because you, know you know what C.S. Lewis puts it? He puts it this way. See, it, she just doesn't care about anyone else in the room. She just walks in there. Is there no one else is there. It's just her and Jesus. And C.S. Lewis says the perfect church service would be one where we were unaware of anything and our attention would have been just on God. Think about that. This is a perfect church service that she's at. But the third thing that we see is that it's a bit of a struggle. It's a struggle. You see, there's the Pharisees wanting to kill Jesus. There's the Pharisees wanting to kill Lazarus after that. But then we also see it's, there's a, a struggle, if you will. There's a, a stench, if you will. And I don't mean the stench of this, this, this incense that's everywhere. Some people don't like incense. Some people do. That's probably why you come to the 1015 service, because you like that. I mean, there's this story that, that Dean Lobbs went to a funeral of a friend of his, and he hadn't been at this cathedral for five years, and he put on his, his, his red cassock from the cathedral. Five years later, and it still smelled of incense. There was a beautiful smell. But there's another smell going on in this passage. Did you notice that? There's a stench. There's a stench of, of Judas, where Judas says, that's 300 denarii. We could have sold that and given that to the poor. 
How do I illustrate this smell in our lives, this stench in our own lives? Well, two Saturdays ago, I had the, the privilege of going across Division Street into, into Paramore, what's also called Crosstown. And, and I, I was listening to a friend of mine, a, a, a Christian brother, an African-American, who, who said it's wonderful that, that churches come out there to help and uh, to, to do outreach and whatnot. And sometimes churches will go in and they'll cook hot dogs. And he looked at me and he said, but do you think that I'm only worth a hot dog? How much is Jesus worth to you? Is he worth just a hot dog? Is he just worth 300 denarii? Or does he demand my life, my soul, my all? There's a struggle. There's an internal struggle. And, and I love this because Jesus looks, it, 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 it's in, the, it's in, the, it's in the, the singular when, he, when he's talking to Judas. He says, he says this. He says, leave her alone so that she may keep it for the day of my burial. And that's in the singular. He's talking to, to Judas in the singular, just one person. But then he goes, for the poor you will have with you. And he uses the plural. He's saying, actually, it's easy to read in this story and say, oh, if, if, I, had to, if I had to make myself a character in the story, oh, I, wouldn't, I would not be Martha. I wouldn't be in the kitchen struggling and stressing and serving. I, I, I'd probably be Mary worshiping Jesus with my all. Or, or maybe, maybe, you might be honest, you say, I might be a little bit like Judas, but not much. But you see, the beauty of this story, what's happening literarily, is that at the end, it's saying, who is this you, plural? You will have the poor with you always. But me, the Lord of the universe, you won't always have me with you. How do you choose to honor me? And so the question that he's asking his disciples and all the other guests at the dinner is, do you want to be like Martha? Do you want to be like Mary? Or are you a little bit like Judas? And, and we all have a little bit of Judas in us. Here's the thing. I, 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 I love the fact that in our capital campaign, we actually put money aside to redo our organ. And some may say, well, why in the world did you do that? And then we're, we're, we're looking at doing some more repairs on the organ. You say, why would you pour that amount of money in the organ? That, that could be sold and given to the poor, or we could do that and, and hire a couple more part-time workers here at the church to, to take care of the flock. But the thing is, we can never outdo God in worth-ship. Worship comes from the, the old English, worth-ship, to give worth. So the whole point of, a, of renewing an organ isn't to renew an organ. It's to say how much we value Jesus Christ. Not how much we value classical music. Not how much we value Michael Petrosh's amazing playing at that console. It's about how much we value Jesus. How much price tag do you put on Jesus Christ? And I love that because, because when you love Jesus... It changes you. And there's a parallel story to this. Um, there's, th this story is told in the Gospel of John. It's told in the Gospel of Matthew and in the Gospel of Mark. But there's another similar story, but not the same one, that takes place in the Gospel of Luke. And this sinful woman comes to anoint Jesus' feet. And in Luke, there's this beautiful one-word turn of phrase in Greek. And Jesus says, this 
woman loves much because she has been forgiven much. Hoti. She loves much because she has been forgiven much. You see, how much you value Jesus Christ tells Jesus how much you think he loves you. How much you think that he paid and died for you. Or even how good you think you are versus how good Jesus is. Like, is, did Jesus come to make you a nicer person? Or did he make you go from being a dead person into a person who is fully alive? We should love much because we have been forgiven much. And our worship will be costly. It will be total. And it will, in fact, be such an aroma that it will be an aroma of life to all that we go. And yes, your vestments, your clothes may stink for the next five years. They may stink for the next rest of your life that no matter where you go, people will say, he loves Jesus. She loves Jesus.